breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. Always an honor to be with you and thank you for joining me this week. Always a lot to talk about. And before we go any further, let me again wish my fellow Muslims a happy and blessed Ramadan. Hope the fast for you is easy and full of atonement, a sense of fulfillment, a sense of health and gratitude and thankfulness for the blessings that we have here in America and in the West. And may we gather strength for the other 11 months of the year that we can take on the enemies of freedom and liberty and human and human rights and humanity. Well, there's a lot to discuss and a couple big stories out this week that, uh, again, gotten sh- have re- received short shrift in the legacy media, uh, but we won't do that here. We'll dive and give you, uh, we'll dive into it and give you some of the details that the regular media just sort of skipped over. One is President Biden's report announcement release that he's going to pull out of Afghanistan. Not that big a news, basically doing what President Trump said he was going to do and left 2,800 troops. But he also announced the date of that withdrawal. And if you haven't heard the date yet, it is horrifically, horrifically idiotic. Second, we're going to talk about Care Florida, Hassan Shibli, a guy that I've been critical of uh, since he first came on the scene after 9-11. All you need to do is Google my name and his, and you'll see historically what we've said. Well, he's now had to resign in shame from a shameful organization, Care. He's resigned in shame from them, being accused of multiple multiple indiscretions, misogynistic harassment against women in his employ and also against his wife, not to mention possible polygamous marriages. More, More to come on that and a lot more on reform this. Well, first, Afghanistan. President Biden and his his administration. I mean, this week he couldn't even show up to, to greet prime, the Prime Minister of Japan in his visit to the White House, a state visit. I think one of the first state visits of a foreign leader into the White House. And our commander-in-chief, whose primary role is representing America abroad and with foreign leaders, according to the Constitution, as he heads the executive branch and is our commander-in-chief, could not get himself, they said he was, quote, officially under the weather. So, regardless, President Biden had his minions release a statement that we were going to withdraw from Afghanistan on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Now, if that doesn't offend all of you, there is something wrong with those of you who don't feel that that's an offensive date to pick. And as you know, if you've listened to this webca- this podcast, webcast, call it whatever you want, if you listen to this podcast, you know that I've been 
I've shifted my position on the value of significant troop deployments abroad. Yes, minor troop deployments, special forces for surgical target targeting of terror cells, be it the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, ISIS, Al-Shabaab, or otherwise across the planet. That's going to continue to be necessary, sadly, for an indefinite period of time. But significant troop deployments, we've come to learn the hard way, especially after the Arab awakening in 2011, are fraught with far, far more risks than benefits for the American people to our blood, our sons and daughters, and our treasure. And I've come around on that. I was a bit naive. Yes, I served in the Navy for 11 years, and I saw us do a lot of great work from the corners of the earth. My last deployment as a naval officer was to Somalia, and I saw also how we tried to do so much good and we could not in tribal areas overwrought with warlords. And we're learning the same thing now again. I'm learning it from afar that I should have remembered when we were in Somalia. But I thought Syria was different. I thought Iraq was different. I thought Afghanistan was different. But there is significant deep institutional, civic, civil society problems that cannot be repaired by foreign military deployment into their borders. Now, we need to protect American security. We need to, I believe, do what we can diplomatically and with maximum pressure where possible, like in Iran, to put pressure on the demons, on the evil regimes of the world, where it serves our interests and also where it serves humanity. China, yes, we're not going to fix what it does to its billion people. We're not going to fix what the Taliban does to its people, what the Assad regime does to its people, but we can at least err on the side of righteousness in pushing the needle to the side of inflicting as much pain and punishment and pressure on those regimes as we can, not through offensive military, but through offensive media, through offensive economic pressures and otherwise. And yet, the removal of truth. President Trump, as you know, I had uh, many differences with certain approaches that he had to various countries, certainly not with the Abraham Accords that were an amazing feat for his State Department under Secretary Pompeo, certainly not as an approach to China and otherwise. But when it came to Syria... Yeah, I probably would have had other ideas, but this is differences within the party, within movements, within the conservative movement, whatever it might be. But the bottom line is, he saw, the Trump administration saw the role of America quite, quite different from the Bush administration. Many Western leaders, be it David Cameron and others, have talked about muscular liberalism, where we try to advance the ideas of America. And again, I have... Uh, shifted towards a less interventional approach in that. And I say less because I do think at the end of the day there is a role for targeted strikes, much in the way Israel does to keep its borders secure, but invokes targeted strikes where necessary. But again, that's quite a different position 
than one in which we have massive deployments. But what was left in Afghanistan, for all practical purposes, President Trump had withdrawn. He left 2,500 troops, and really all they were doing there on the ground was simply continuing to train, provide intelligence about which cells. And as we train the Afghanistan, Afghani government's forces and security maintenance and, and share information, ultimately that provides not only information, but a type of information that is far exceeded than a complete evacuation with not a single person left on the ground. I mean, is, is Biden talking about removing our embassy? Probably not. But, I mean, seriously, now 2,800 people becomes a massive difference when, in fact, it's really the sentiment. And he chose 9-11, and that's the biggest, I think, political and, and anti-American sin that he could do. Because what happened? Our enemies, our enemies chose 9-11. There are theories about the the what Osama bin Laden and uh, Sheikh Mohammed uh, uh, all these others were, were thinking about that date if it had anything to do with the uh, Saudi Peninsula with history whatever it might be bottom line is they chose our enemies our barbaric evil enemies chose September 11 2001 we could choose any day to withdraw and it would not have any symbolism of defeat. But you choose 9-11 on the day they pounded us in a surprise attack using passenger aircrafts as cowards would do. We now choose that date to tell them we're evacuating from the place, the Al-Qaeda, the foundation, the base in Arabic, it's called, the base in which they chose to run those operations, which was Afghanistan. We chose that date also. That's not, only in, that's not only insult to the American people, an insult to those who live under freedom and liberal democracy, but an insult to every American warrior that gave the ultimate sacrifice or any sacrifice to defeat our enemies, to invoke not only a punishment but a defeat on Al-Qaeda, and we wiped them out and then they came back in many different forms because the ideology was never extinguished. And then it reformed as ISIS because of the vacuum that got created in Iraq and Syria. It reformed as other forms of groups that identify from the movement that is actually Salafi jihadism, the militant jihadis. We're going to lose the human assets necessary now also. The Taliban will completely, while they might have 80-90% control of the Afghani territory state, now they'll have 100%. The peace agreement, so-called, that the generals thought they were getting was nonsense, and I've been very extraordinarily critical of the so-called peace arrangements with the terror organization that is the Taliban. You cannot negotiate or obtain peace with a terror organization. And that's where many of us finally had to swallow the tough medicine and realize that maybe there is no solution to Afghanistan. We can't endorse terrorists. We have given them probably a decade longer than we should to build civil society, but the corruption, tribalism, sectarianism, and Islamism, 
political Islam of the region, of the state, prevented improvements as we see in Tunisia and a few other places after the Arab awakening, but mostly is still generations away for the entire Muslim-majority world. So, don't insult us, President Biden. Change the date of withdrawal. Make it clear that it was a mistake to choose that date. Because as the, as the world's greatest power for freedom and liberty withdraws, the Islamists will use it in their media and their jihadi underground dark web to spread video after video. And on the public airways, be it in Al Jazeera or elsewhere, that the Islamists or the Muslim Brotherhood and on will cheer and say that the great Satan has left. And they have left on 9-11, making it clear that that was a victorious date for Islam, they will say. And us Muslims who are anti-Islamists will be stuck trying to push back against that horrific narrative that President Biden's administration has handed them. It's an insult. We don't choose 9-11 to withdraw. Choose 9-10. Choose August 30th for all I care. Not to mention it is idiotic to take out every troop out of there. We have withdrawn. We are out of there. A few hundred, couple thousand troops. We have more troops in Spain and in, in countries in which there is no war. This is not about a war anymore. The Afghanistan war is over. President Trump withdrew our troops significantly. more to come on this. We'll see if they change and somehow try to save face. Leila Fedel this week of NPR broke a story on Hassan Shibli, the Council on American Islamic Relations Executive Director, Florida chapter. Initially it was Tampa chapter, but I think they were now calling themselves Florida chapter as he resigned from his high-profile job. The story, by the way, is about three, four months old, but it was just now the, the, the information in it. Even I missed it because it really wasn't publicized. I'm over here in Arizona. I also watch the national news and elsewhere, but it wasn't covered other than in some chats of unfortunately victimized women by Hassan Shibli. Story came out on April 15, 2021, and highlighted the fact and explained why Shibley had resigned back in January. That's what I'm talking about being months. And she noted that for months, stories swirled around the prominent Muslim civil rights leader, alleging secret marriages, bullying, and sexual harassment. You know, it's amazing to me, even when the mainstream media, you got to give them some credits for covering this story, but even when they cover it, they don't even look back and say, well, maybe our narrative about this organization is wrong. Maybe it's, he wasn't a civil rights leader. Maybe he was an Islamist radical leader. Maybe this organization's civil rights mission is a cover for the reality, which is a misogynistic, theocratic, theopolitical movement that is anti-American, anti-women's rights, anti-Semitic, and against most of the values that we stand for. So Hassan Shibli's story that I'm now going to walk through with you is a clinic. It's an absolute clinic 
and the realities that the, the media and American information ignores. Late in 2020, some of the allegations against 34-year-old Hassan Shibli burst into public view. Hassan's estranged wife, mother of his three children, looked directly into the camera and begged for help on her GoFundMe page. She said her abusive husband had cut her off financially. Oh, such an Islamic thing. For years, I've been in an abusive relationship, and the situation at home, she said, has become unbearable. Imani Stadrati said, I finally decided to build the courage to start over for my children and I. The accusations were shocking, not only in their content, as NPR reports, but in the public airing of a nationally recognized Muslim leader's personal drama. Now, she doesn't go into his background. None of his history of quotations that are, of, of, of comments that are anti-Semitic, his defense of ISIS warriors so-called ISIS brides, a term I hate. They're ISIS warriors, traitors against this country. He defended them in court. And they define, she said, CARE is a nonprofit watchdog known for defending Muslim civil liberties in the post-9-11 era. Oh, really? That's all they are? How about Hamas sympathizers that can't publicly even criticize terror organizations like Hamas because they're so sympathetic to the motivations, maybe not the technique, but the motivations of Muslim Brotherhood groups and offshoots like Hamas. Within 15 days of his wife's video going live, Shibley resigned from his high-profile job. His departure, though, emboldened the slew of women to come forward with their own accusations of emotional abuse and sexual misconduct by him and of workplace discrimination at CARE's national office and several prominent chapters. NPR interviewed a half a dozen of them and reviewed internal CARE documents, social media posts, and email exchanges. It portrays Shibley as a man who used his position to seduce women and bully critics with impunity. And, as we've seen, remember I've talked about the imams here, uh, the imam here locally, uh, multiple other imams known, popular imams from the, the accused rapist, Tariq Ramadan, the leading imam, grandson of the Muslim Brotherhood in Europe, to other imams discussed from Texas and elsewhere in the past on this podcast. Leila Abdel Aziz, who worked under Shibli at the Carrick for Florida chapter, said she resigned in 16 in part because Shibli sexually harassed her. She said she believes care leaders have failed to adequately address the situation because Muslim communities already face a barrage of discriminatory, sometimes violent anti-Muslim hate. You see, she even felt guilty to even talk about it because of the pressure put by the community to be victims, that the Muslim collective is a victim. You can't be an individual victim from Muslims. No, the community is a victim from non-Muslims, from Americans, from the West. Even in this story, NPR does not expose the real cancer of this metastasis. Shibli is but one small metastatic cell of a massive cancer, which is political Islam and its teachings that, oh, your own personal rights don't matter. Muslim civil rights are about the Muslim collective civil rights. 
Abdelaziz said, when your community is being attacked and diminished and demeaned every single day, it's difficult to invite even more of that. Oh, so she feels guilty that it's going to pile on. You notice the pathology? The horrific pathology in being able to address the realities. The realities of what is happening is that Perhaps we would have more credibility. As I've said in fighting terrorism, let alone fighting misogyny and civil rights, we'd have much more credibility and respect from non-Muslim communities if they saw us addressing our own our own foibles and our own aspects. I mean, look at the 1619 Project wants to turn America into a disaster of, of a country based on slavery, not based on freedom by, from the New York Times, because they think America is rooted in evil. That's the only way to come to terms with contrition from our history. And yet Muslims can't even evoke the reality that we have internal ideologies that need to be defeated and destroyed, be it the way they mistreat women, the way they mistreat Jews, and Christians and people of other faith and spread ideas that are supremacist and apologize for acts of terror against innocence and create tribalisms in societies that are mired in so much hate that they can't come up for air in order to begin to build new civil societies. And then NPR goes on to do its whitewash of care, talking about Muslims turning to them in crisis to make sure they don't offend all the followers of care who have actually been asleep and continuing person after person. Let us not forget, Care Florida, the same chapter, had an accused pedophile that they also fired a few years ago. Ahmed Salim the former leader of the Orlando office of the Council on American Islamic uh, Relations. I, I like to call them the Council on American Islam, Council for American Islamic Radicalization. That's what they do. American Islamist Radicalization. Anyway, the trial had been set in this report from August 5, 2015. Salim had been out of jail since shortly after he was arrested in May 2015. Salim was arrested during a sexting operation held in Claremont, Florida, where he, had, where he had traveled to have illegal intercourse with someone who he believed to be a 12-year-old girl. When news broke that Salim had been involved, word spread quickly and the story went viral. It had nothing to do with who he was personally. It had everything to do with who he represented. Shortly before his arrest, he had been the Orlando Regional Coordinator for CARE. And I'll let you go on and find that story. That's not the point of the story. The clinic today is about what Shibley represents. But in a not-too-far office in the same state, the same organization that he led, had other predators. That predator was predator over children arrested follow the case see what happened to him this predator his wife was reporting about the pain that she experienced and others that worked with Shibley talked about the way he treated women 
and harassment and others. And you know, the theme comes here that I've talked about to you on this program before, which is me too, except for Muslims. Me too, except for Muslims. It almost seems as if they report on stories when they have to. It almost seems as if when the, when the light gets so bright and their eyes and the retinas begin to burn, then they finally report on a story, as NPR did here. But yet there's a slew, a slew of aggrieved individuals that have not been heard. Remember the case of the imam here in Phoenix, in which affidavit after affidavit had been taken by lawyers who noted that the imam had harassed them and sexually molested them on occasion. So many cases that the left conveniently ignores because it's all about politics and partisanship. And when a minority group is useful to them, then it's really a bigotry of low expectations. It doesn't matter what happens internally. Oh, they'll cover it if they have to. They'll cover the attack on the Uber Eats driver who was murdered. But if it happens to be a minority that murdered him, the fact that he's Muslim no longer matters, does it? And the fact that all these women had been abused, and the fact that the abuser, this time, the head of Karen Florida is an organization that is part of the lead group propagandists of the squad in Congress that's, that made Biden this week. By the way, Biden administration this week said it was no longer going to, it was still going to hold on accepting any more refugees. But it was going to loosen the Trump era restrictions on who can come. But no more new refugees. But then the squad, Ilhan Omar and others, complained and pressured with their populist, far-left, progressivist, if not communist, socialist agenda, Islamist agenda, and now they're rethinking it and there's more to come on that. So whose administration is this? I don't think it's the Biden administration. I think it's Obama 3.0. I think it is an administration. I'll remind you of Hassan Shibli again. That's what the clinic's on here today, right? Shibli took pictures with Obama in the White House as he brought a so-called victim of Israeli, of the Israeli military. I'll remind you that that photo op was used to demonize the Israeli military to demonize the Israeli people to say that they are the militants with a photo op. And I can tell you at the time, many in the Syrian American community were just horrified that while while hundreds of thousands were being slaughtered by the Assad regime, Hassan Shibli, who hails from the same some of the same neighborhoods that my family does in Aleppo, Syria squandered his entire outreach, access that he has to the Obama administration in order to push a Palestinian narrative that went nowhere because of his Hamas sympathies, because of his Muslim Brotherhood fealty as a Salafi jihadist that Hassan Shibli is. And we've known his number for a long time. I was 
contacted by some of the parents in a area of New York that serves Clarence High School. Back in 2010, a guest speaker from a New York Islamist organization called CARE, Hassan Shibli, at that time, stirred a controversy where in the school to the children, he denied that Hezbollah was a terrorist group, and he instead called it a resistance organization. Soon thereafter, he moved to Tampa, Florida, where he became the Tampa chapter executive director. I wrote a letter at the time. I then responded with a letter to Mr. Stearns, May 10, 2010, talking about the background, that I had never met Mr. Shibley. I'd welcome the opportunity to debate him, but I'll leave it to the details of what happened in the classroom to the children and the parents that were there. But first, his open support of Hezbollah demonstrates apologetics for terrorism, which any Muslim, any American should have deep problem with. And I would never want or make excuses for. Dr. Shibley entertains and seems at times to support and work with Islamists as he is one, and he is leading advocates for political Islam. And But yet when they become violent, he tries to distance himself with no public record to demonstrate a genuine ideological battle. Shibley states that he left Bridges TV long before the barbaric murder of Asiya Hassan by the alleged assailant, her husband and founder of Bridges TV, Muzam al-Hassan. But yet, he still hadn't found the bandwidth to expose the problems with the Islamist idea of Bridges TV. I'm also dismayed that Shibli considered Sheikh Ahmed Kuftaro, the former mufti of Syria, the mufti for President Hafiz Assad, the father the butcher father of the current butcher, to be his spiritual mentor. Honest American Muslims of Syrian origin were horrified at the relationship between Kuftaro and the Ba'athist thugs oppressing the Syrian population. And I go on. So I think it's fascinating that we were writing about Shibli's problems back when he was in New York to the kids up there. He goes down to Florida, care ignores what he did with the the harassment that apparently women now have testified to, to media and others. Hopefully there'll be more cases opened. Certainly Shibley probably has a different story, a different tune. But he left his perch. It was indefensible. And I think it's pathognomonic. It is telling. It is critically and clinically telling of the type of individual that runs Islamist organizations that are fascistic in their ideas about Islam and that ultimately seek to collectivize Muslims as one. Shibli thought it appropriate to, develop, to defend Hudemuthana, the ISIS warrior who decided she wanted to come back to America. Understanding she had, I don't know, a child or two, she wanted to be closer as anyone would, but this is a traitor who pledged allegiance to the enemies of America, who fought and saw on the battlefield the slaying of innocents, our allies and Americans, including Arizona and Kayla Mueller, 
and there's so much to this story. But if he felt it was appropriate to legally defend her in court and try to get the Secretary of State to recognize her as a citizen, and they were trying to find a loophole where her father was supposedly not a diplomat or she was born here, clearly the kids of diplomats are not citizens, diplomats of foreign countries. And yet, they were trying to find a loophole. Because Shibli's and most of CARE's mantra, remember the CARE San Diego legal uproar because the executive director or one of the senior staff there ridiculed one of the staff for wanting to have a flag flown, wanting to celebrate Memorial Day. Chapter after chapter after chapter is a level of hate and disgust for America. Care San Francisco. Zahra. Blue, who has openly on Twitter and elsewhere said that she can't stand celebrating Memorial Day because those were warriors that tried to kill Muslims. I mean, this is an American? I mean, come on. Even those who can't stand the American military uh, uh, missions defend our veterans, defend the need to recognize that those that will pay the ultimate, ultimate price and sacrifice to keep us safe. And yet when an Islamist does it, out of her perch in San Francisco, complaining about American soldiers, men and women that served this country that died, nobody says anything. Because, oh, we, we, we need the Muslim minority, the Islamists, in our camp. Oh, really? No, that's not the majority of Muslim sentiment. The Islamists have strangled, have strangulated our community so that they control the representation, and that that era is coming to an end. We're beginning to see one after next, chapter after chapter of Islamist organizations, from CARE to the Muslim Society of uh, the uh, um, Muslim American Society, on and on. Scandal after scandal. And Shibley's clinic has a lot to tell us, and we have a lot to learn from it. His wife has a 911 call in which she said that Shibley threatened to kill her if, he went and to- if she went and told anybody. The audio is provided by the Investigative Project on Terrorism, publicly available. She said, like, I'm finally taking action against him. I'm scared that he might come here and do something to me. He's been beating me for 12 years, and I'm done hiding. Shibley, as is typical, as he's the expert, he is the professional actor of victims, right? That's what CARE is, is the, is the faux victimology campaign. He said, she's using my position in the legal system to gain advantage in our ongoing legal divorce process, he told NPR. He rejected independent allegations from former care staffers and others that he sexually harassed and bullied people. And he even responded on Instagram chiding people who use social media to, quote, recklessly share utter lies and slander as we abstain from food and drink during the days of the blessed Ramadan. Let's not forget that such abstinence of what's normally permissible will bring us no benefit if we fail to abstain from what's always impermissible, such as tally-bearing, gossip, slander, and harming others. 
your community of Islamists has suffocated human rights and the reality of the need for reform against theocracy and your horrific interpretations of the Quran and Hadith. And it's time that a new leadership step up. It's time that reform from a grassroots, from a populist movement of of Muslims across the world begin to displace these men with beards and robes and ossified mindsets. Shibli's wife, the courts will show what the reality is, if there is any of Shibli's story that is true, but at the end of the day, how many cases do we need from CARE to show that this is an organization not in the best interests of Muslims, Americans, humanity, but rather a theocratic organization hell-bent on advancing one thing, and that's the advancement of the project of political Islam globally at the expense of minorities, at the expense of Muslims, at the expense of Jews, Israel, America, and freedom. No, when Shibli went to the White House, he didn't care about the human rights and suffering of Syrians as an as a immigrant from Syria that his family is, from the same town. No, he cared about advancing the narrative, the anti-Semitic narrative against the Jewish people. Read about the story. Ask your local media why they're not covering it. Ask powers at BIS Secretary Hobbs here in Arizona why she chose CARE to platform them and welcome them on the month of Ramadan. Yes, our holy months are extraordinarily important and there should not be politics involved in it. But if it's an organization that has this kind of inhumanity in the way it treats women and other minorities and others, we should not elevate them. So I asked on Twitter, Secretary Hobbs, why are you platforming them? Secretary of State here in Arizona. And I reminded her that CARE Arizona was founded by Marwan Ahmed. Still, the only Arizonan to ever be booted off the Phoenix Human Relations Commission. Why? Because his Arabic newspaper we exposed at the American Islamic Forum for Democracy was describing American military as Mongols going in and raping men and raping women and children in Iraq. Its Arabic refused to recognize even the existence of Israel in its list of embassies. The state of Israel was not included. In Arabic, it described Jews, Americans, non-Muslims as the enemy. And when we complained, the paper was removed from many mosques across the valley for a few months. It was called the Muslim Voice, and then it popped back in, as if nothing had happened. Marwan Ahmed has, since then, a few years later, moved out of state, thankfully. But the story continues through its months after months. Deidre Aboud, who recently ran for U.S. Senate, ran the Council on American-Islamic Relations here in Arizona, and among the people she thought it appropriate to defend was Hassan Abdul-Jihad. And Hassan Hassan Abdul-Jihad was a Navy sailor that was sentenced to 23 years in prison because he gave secrets about the location of a ship 
to the enemy, to our enemies. And she thought he was framed. She defended him. Now, when asked about it, she wasn't really asked about it like she should have been, as we asked the media to do when she declared her candidacy against Senator Sinema, Senator Sinema in the in the primary. She claimed she was just doing her job. Oh, okay. Then ask her why she left CARE to go to the Muslim American Society. Word has it that it had to do with some of the misogyny at CARE. Being a woman, being a woman executive director of the chapter here, which again takes us full circle back to Shibley's issue. A lot, a lot, a lot going on there. We need to know more. We need to continue to treat our faith communities with tough love and not just worry about the indiscretions of one faith, but all of it, because every human being matters. And you can only get to the root cause of problems if you start treating the symptoms, if you start treating the disease and the core diagnosis. As always, it's a pleasure to be with all of you. We'll be here again next week. Share this with your friends. Spread it online, social media. My Twitter handle is Dr. D-R-Z-U-H-D-I-J-A-S-S-E-R. And it's also at Reform This Radio. And this is the Blaze Podcast Network. Your faithful Zudi Jasser. God bless. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. On the Blaze Radio Network.